Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Please, 
Don't you give up on me Please 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 Promise me Don't give up on me Good evening. I thought you were going to introduce the show. <laughs> well, it's not good, it's I, I think, not good to have air on a radio show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I think I think our host is the host has vanished briefly. So uh, I guess. Uh, Can you guys hear me? There, there he is. Oh, okay. I hit mute. Before the song played, because I didn't want to like interference. I would have to say that that was probably the best song. It became like a yes, I can hear you, but it became like a, a strange Andy Kaufman like routine where we're on the radio and nobody's talking. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Here I come to say the day. <laughs> Hey, Mighty Mouse is on his way. <laughs> no, I, I, well, I, I would have to say. Introduce. Yeah? Nobody knows who I am. Let me introduce myself. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to the Francie and Friends radio show on the air now, on, on Blog Talk Radio now. What, what are you, been on like 12 years, I think? 11 years? Oh, my gosh. Has it been that long? Oh, my gosh. I'm so old. I know, I know you were doing this in '09 uh, when John. I know, and, and yep. And, and so I, I met you for the first time, and it was a great show. Yeah, but anyhow, for for your for your listening audience unfamiliar, my name is Edward X Young, and you're out in California, near near San Francisco. I'm. Right now, I'm in South Jersey on the Jersey Shore. Hold up! I mean, uh, I, uh, I'm uh, for people who don't know who I am. I'm primarily known as a horror film actor. I also directed one movie, and I've co-written and co-produced a number of others. But in addition to being a, a uh, independent, independent horror film maker. Uh, I also have my uh, nine-to-five job working for a finance company. Because unless you're in Hollywood and you're a major star, uh, n- nobody in show business makes enough to survive. You have to have your day job, but I make a lot more money in the world of finance. And then I'm also involved with the Donald Trump re-election campaign. So I have two jobs, and uh, I just wanted to apologize because I know that we've been friends a long time, Francie, and you, you often call me. And I, I just I just can't pick up because it's three hours later here. You're you're on the West Coast in California. I'm in New Jersey, and uh, and I don't I, I've been I've been working while these three occupations I have, especially in a presidential election year, it's rare that I get any sleep. I'm pretty much working seven days a week, 
often 12, 15 hours a day. I finish what I'm doing and I crash. But now, now I got all the time in the world because everything's come to a screeching halt and I'm going so crazy. I'm boarded up. I'm boarded up in my it's house. It's funny. You're, like, like, you're like, nicer like to like me than my mom is. You're like, I apologize to you that I didn't pick up. And my mom is like, if my nieces are listening right now, my mom's like, fuck you, why are you calling me at 2 a.m.? And I'm like, whoa, it's 11. She's a South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, the East Coast time. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're on the East Coast. And my mom's like yelling at me. She's leaving me voicemails. He's like, why are you calling me 3 at 2 a.m. when it's... And I'm like, oh, it wasn't 2 a.m. here. <laughs> well, years, I mean, years ago, yeah, I, I used to talk to you a lot. Years ago, I used to talk to you a lot more often because I had my basically my acting job. And I, for a while, I was working full-time as an actor, trying to, until my car accident. And then I had, like, a part-time job just to make sure I had some extra money in the bank. But I reached a point where I'm like, I'm 60 years old now. I reached a point a few years ago where I was like, uh, am I allowed to swear on your show? I use vulgarity yes. if you prefer I not. I, 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 yeah. did, okay. I did but just I say the F word. Several years ago. I did say the uh, F word. My mom says, like, about, F you! But I well, actually I said just, the word. I was going to say several years ago. I just finally said, you know, I mean, I'm 60 now, but several, in my mid-50s, I just finally said, oh, fuck it. You know, I I got to have there some money go. when I stop working. I got to have some money when I get old. And so, uh, you know, I, I have a good head on my shoulders, and so maybe it's hard work and it's exhausting, but I, I got involved with, you know, like the world of finance to make the ends meet. But now that's come to a screeching halt because my company shut down. All my movie production companies have ceased uh, production. Uh, there's no conventions for me to go to. I mean, you're Nick. I, one of these days, I got to see you face to face, Francie, but I can't fly. None of us can fly. I, but I have seen Nick. Yeah, you can't even fly like, anymore. I know we can't fly. Doesn't that make Alexandria Ocasio Cortez happy? But I mean, I have seen Nick. Nick and I met at the Gettysburg uh, Days of the Dead convention, or whatever I, it was called. Uh, and uh, we did horror, 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 Nick said horrifying. What's that? Nick said horrifying. Horrifying. I forgot. I do a lot of conventions, but there's no more conventions, no more film production. My Dad. finance company is shut down and closed the doors. And even what really breaks my heart, no more Trump rallies. The Republican people aren't. I'm an elected official. What? I'm not just working as a volunteer. Three years ago, I got elected to the Republican Party in New Jersey. I'm a low-level member. I'm a committee member of the Republican Party of Ocean County, New Jersey. And uh, I am an, I was I was on the ballot. I got voted in. I got elected. And I, and I was having a great time coming to meetings and deciding policy for our state, but now they've said uh, no more meetings and you know, no no more campaigning. The, the call centers are closed. I can't even call for the candidates I'm on a what? work for. They have talked about they have talked about how they, I mean and I don't like technology. They've talked about they'll rig a system whereby we can call from home. 
And, you know, I did that oh, for yeah. a while with the truck campaign, but uh, who wants to call from home alone? I'd rather be at the center where the action is. But but I got lots of time now, so you want me to be a guest next week, I'll do that too. <laughs> but, hey! Because, hey! Hey, Edward, guess, you can call in next week. Guess who the guess who the the guest is? Uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> Not yet, but <laughs> oh my gosh! If we were to get Donald Trump in, I think we would kill Blog Talk Radio. We uh, would kill. Would Obama call. Uh, Obama listened to your show. Once. Obama did listen to the show once. That's okay, but Solomon let's Burke get back to Edward X. Young. What motivated him to listen? Was Solomon Burke on? Oh, <laughs> Solomon Burke was the... Yeah, it was, was when Gemini Edward. was on. Do I know Edward, you got... Sue freaking did. Sue freaking did. Oh, heck yeah, week. she loves you. I I told uh, Sue freaking Dent, she's like, who's the guest this week? And I was like, Edward X. Young. She's like, oh, I love Edward. I, I, I haven't seen Sue, Susan was, and of course, my 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 beloved late fiance. If I call her my late oh, wife. Oh yeah. We, we had, oh yeah. We had an official ceremony performed by a friend in the hospital when she was dying, but. uh you know, we never had a chance to get actual legal papers signed, but uh, but Sue Dent was very good to us during those difficult times, and, and and Sue Dent and Susie got along so well at the horror find convention out in Gettysburg. We had a grand time there, and I'd be delighted yeah. to talk to Sue Dent again. Delighted to speak to her. I'll have to get another one of yeah. her books. Uh, what's what's her yeah. what's her most she's, famous song she's again? She's the guest. She's the guest next week. So, yeah, I think that would be because, you know, at that time when I first moved to California, and I do remember talking to Susan, your fiancé, I wasn't sure if you wanted to. I remember a couple of days before she passed, you were in the hospital with her, and you were at her bedside, and Nick and I, we got to say a few words, and we got to let her know that she lo- that we loved her. And that was well, actually pretty it, powerful for both Nick and I, and we did cry after that the ca- the cab- phone call. Cavalry Hospital, the Cavalry Hospital in Bronx, in the Bronx, it's a hospice. Yeah. It's where, it's where you go and you don't come back out, but they were very good to me. I mean... She was bounced around from three different hospitals, two in Manhattan and one in Brooklyn, and uh, and they were subjected to chemo and all kinds of and all that radiation stuff that wasn't going to save her. You know, we even went to Germany to try to get treatment that wasn't available in the U.S. because Donald Trump was not president yet, and we didn't have the right <laughs> to try. Just, I mean, it cost me a fortune and drove me into bankruptcy, but, uh, but oh, going wow. out to Germany... If I was going through this tragedy today, going to Germany wouldn't have been necessary because, according to Donald Trump's right to try law, we could say we want to. Tr- she's terminally ill. The doctors say she's going to be dead in two months. We we want the right to try this experimental treatment that's only available in Europe, and you can do it now. I mean, back then we were informed there is this treatment that might help. It might extend her life, maybe 
one to five years. Uh, that they, and the doctor in Germany admitted as much. She wasn't going to survive, but he said his treatment has been shown with hopeless patients, given like a month or two to live, that they live maybe one to five years more. She lived a whole extra year, but I mean, it was horribly expensive. And and if it was, if we were in, if if it was now, President Trump's America, it'd be okay. We'll let you try this. You know, there's no guarantees. It might not work. It might even hurt you. But you know, it's your decision. The situation is terminal. But uh, well, no harm in trying. That was in 2011, uh, but now we're in 2020, and uh, it's a whole different ballgame. we got this worldwide plague. I hope you're doing fine out there. I'm, I'm getting rather nervous out here in Jersey because our Governor Murphy is uh, releasing releasing prisoners from the prisons, but even violent criminals, because they don't want mm-hmm. them to... Uh, they, they, they want them to socially distance in the prison. My attitude is about that. Well, what are you talking about? If they were all already locked up in prison, then they shouldn't have had been able to have contact with anybody that's got the coronavirus. So why are you releasing them? But but they're on the streets now, and i got to admit, things are getting desperate around here. Uh, I have witnessed fistfights. The only place I go to now, I'm gonna, I have a tank of gas. I filled this car up two weeks ago. Normally I get like three tanks a week. I'm going to have the gas in the tank of this car in May, but because I only go to the supermarket and back now. That's about a mile from my home. But I, I witnessed a fist fight in the aisle of the supermarket, two women fighting over the last the last bundle of toilet paper. It's crazy. Uh, it, it's in my house, I mean, I mean, it's really crazy. And like I said, now there's criminals out in the street, and uh, I heard the, the the cops are nervous about catching it. We're we're on the verge of uh, total anarchy. Like a, it's like uh, I feel like I'm Charlton Heston on the Omega Man. Well, you know, I guess I guess if everything goes downhill, then uh, you know you may want to get the eye patch ready and uh, you know turn into Snake Plissken. <laughs> I would love to be Snake Plissken. <laughs> People have to think I'm dead now, too. <laughs> but uh, before, I, I want to get back to the humor, but I have to say something. Uh, I just wanted to get the, the sad stuff out of the way first, the current sad stuff. I mean, a lot of people are on Facebook, and up until up until yesterday, I was one of the skeptical ones, too, because, you know, a lot of us, if you're already safely isolated, maybe you're pretty safe. But uh, but I have a, I get a lot of friends in New York City. New York City is a, is a nightmare. It truly is a horror movie. It's the epicenter now of, of the United States. I mean, 60% of the corona-diagnosed cases of the entire 50 states are in New York City on Manhattan Island. Uh, it's it's congested, it's confined, it's an international city, overpopulated. But you have probably all seen, we've all seen it, and even I was starting to feel that way too because I wasn't sick. And you'd see these memes on Facebook or these people questioning, does anybody out there actually know anybody who has caught the coronavirus we hear it on the news. They mention some celebrities. You'll see these posts. Like, you know, Tom Hanks and his wife had it. They got better. You know, 
the Prince of England, the Prince Charles of England has it. He's not doing so bad. You know, uh, certain politicians had it. They're kind of okay. And, and there was speculation that maybe this is being exaggerated. As Mark Twain would say, the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. But I have, I can count myself among those who have been personally affected by the coronavirus because a very close friend of mine in Manhattan, whom I haven't seen, the last time I saw him was actually Christmas Eve. I bumped into him by accident in New York City on Christmas Eve. He was a friend of mine for almost 20 years, and uh, I just heard today that he got the coronavirus and he died. He died this morning. He died yesterday, actually. Yesterday morning. Um, and I'm sorry for your loss. And his name, his name might ring a bell because he he's he's destined to end up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Sadly, now it'll be post mortem. But his name is Alan Merrill, and he was big on the music scene downtown. And he was very good friends with my late friend David Peel, of whose band I was in, the Lower East Side. And whenever David Peel performed, Alan Merrill almost always joined us and had his band play along with us. But Alan Merrill was originally from England, spent some time living in Japan, but he's been around for quite a while. I mean, on the scene probably you know, since the 70s. But he was with a British band when he was young called, the band was called The Arrows, and there was a particular song that Alan himself wrote, composed, performed on the guitar, and sang, and it was a minor hit on a single in England, the song was called "I Love Rock and Roll," and and when uh, when when uh, when Joan Jett happened to catch his band perform when she was in England, she heard the song and she approached him afterwards, and she said, "I love that song. I must buy that song. It has to be my song." And he sold it to her, and he sold it to her with also uh, royalties that would follow. And if you have Joan Jett's record with I Love Rock and Roll, his name is right on the album. I mean, it says it's written by Alan Merrill. And, uh, you yep. know, of course, everybody credits it as her song, as Joan Jett's song. A lot of people mistakenly think that she wrote it. She performed it, did a hell of a job. It's a great song, but, but it's Alan Merrill's song. And, and originally, the original version was from a young guy's point of view. It's like I saw her by the record machine. But uh, but I, I often want. I used to ask Alan. I used to talk to him when we'd sit and drink in the bars. I I used to ask him, uh, does it does it bother you that you know that most of the world credits this song to you know Joan Jett? And he said, not at all. He said, uh, he said that one song that I wrote, the royalties that I receive every time it's played in a movie, in a TV commercial, every time she performs it. He said, hey, I bought my house and put my kids through college on that song. And, uh, of course, uh, some of the fun stuff. But Alan was not that old. He was in his early 60s. And from what I heard, and he was, you know, he got divorced. Close, you know, he was close to his adult daughters, but he was in his early 60s. Last time I saw him, he was in great health. But he was living in downtown Manhattan in Greenwich Village. He loved New York. And from what I heard, uh, about less than two weeks ago, when this madness was really before the quarantine happened, before the quarantine, but there's a lot of fear. But less than, and they were talking about people should just self-isolate and go out as little as possible. He came down with what he thought 
was a simply a common cold, rather minor symptoms. He had a cough, a little bit of fever, had headaches, and he made the erroneous decision I heard from friends of figuring, ah, it's just a cold, I probably better play it safe, I'll just you know, stay in my apartment and get over this. He didn't have to go out to work, you know, because he gets his royalty checks, but he decided to just try to cure himself to stay in his apartment, and uh, basically what happened somehow, I don't know all the details, but by Wednesday, this past Wednesday, he was really sick and barely able to breathe or move. Somebody contacted him. He was living alone. Somebody contacted him and found out, and they rushed him to the hospital, but he, he died yesterday morning. The corona killed him, so uh, this is a real threat. It has touched me personally, and it's heartbreaking because I'm hearing from friends in New York can't even go to pay respect because there are no funerals right now, and nobody's even yeah, getting buried. Yeah, everything is literally on standstill. So nobody's even getting buried. They're just automatically cremating him. And and also, just before we talked, we talked a little earlier. Uh, I don't know the details. It might be something unrelated. But another good friend of mine, who's about my age, about 60 years old, has posted on Facebook that uh, that his 30-year-old son has died. I know I don't know if it's from Corona, but I mean this is like a sudden posting. Like, please pray for my son. Uh, we we lost him today, and I, I when he said we lost him today, I, I I figured I can't I can't intrude. I can't call him today. I'll wait a couple of days. I'll find out because I know that they must be going through hell. They were in New Jersey, but here there are no funerals. I mean, I can't. He even lives nearby, but there's no there's no services that I could attend. I mean, the churches are closed. I, I mean, I mean, do you do you realize? I know I'm talking a lot. I'll let you get it, but do you realize it's kind of ironic? But uh, well, I mean, it's true. But I mean, uh, I mean. This 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 flu has achieved what Satan couldn't do in two thousand years. It it has closed all the churches. Thank well, it it also makes you buy TP. Hey, Dave. Uh, David Madison is alive. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Good Good Dave, evening, how are you doing? Hope you're doing okay. <laughs> Hope you're doing okay in Pennsylvania. At least you've got really nice surroundings out there. It's beautiful where you live. Oh, yes. Luckily, I'm, I live in isolation all the time, so I'm, I don't notice anything. Yeah, I've I, I seen the videos, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to be on that river. <laughs> well, I just they, want to stop in and say, say hello quickly. Uh, I, did, I just did a 12-hour convention, the first online convention in history with uh, George Romero's what? son. And uh, it was uh, Def, it was called DefCon One, and we had Kane Hodder, and we had uh, uh, the, the the entire cast and crew at Terrifier, and a whole bunch of, of of great celebrities. And I'm extremely exhausted, but I wanted to say hello to everybody on my favorite yeah, on my favorite blog talk radio show. I want to wish Ed the best. I hope everything's good with you, Ed. Well, I mean, oh. I was just telling Francie, of my very close friends. Uh, succumbed and died of corona in new york city yeah no, I, I i was i was listening in uh, i was in the background and I'm, I'm sorry to hear that but uh yeah. other, other than that dave i'm physically well except for my back problems from my damn car accident five years ago but i will say this 
I've lost all of my jobs. I'm not working. I'm trapped in my home. And I got friends whining like, oh, my God, I'm going to gain 300 pounds. I decided, look, if I'm trapped here, the least I could do is do a hell of a lot of exercise, eat right, try to get in shape and lose weight. And, uh, and actually, in the, in the first week, I've already lost three pounds. So by the time this is hey. all over, I want to get really thin. I, want, I mean, I want to get, like, vampire thin so that I oh, can you urge go. you to do a full <laughs> I want you to do a full-blown <laughs> sequel to Mr. Hush, a full-length sequel, before I get too old to do the role. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, you do realize this. You do realize this is a landmark so date coming up. Well, it's a landmark, it's like a landmark date here. coming up for David. Well, for David and I, there's a big landmark date coming up. On April 3rd, which is just next week, it will be exactly 10 years since we commenced production. Yes, what? I That's remember crazy. it like yesterday. I'm so old. <laughs> I remember when it just started. Yes. It's well, what we're going to have to do is, uh, well, we'll have to all make sure we get ourselves a nice bottle of champagne or some uh, whiskey and uh, do a virtual celebration. Sounds like a good oh, time. Oh, we should totally do that. Is all right, I just wanted to call in quickly. I just... I, 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 I'm actually getting the dog eye from my wife because I've been in front of the computer now since like two o'clock, and <laughs> and, I, and uh, I just wanted to give everybody my love and all the best, and everybody stay well, and uh, you know we'll all get through this together. I'll tell you what. Thanks so much, Dave. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a chance to rest, but I'll call you because I want to hear backstory on this virtual convention because this might be the future of conventions. Well, we'll see what happens. All right, guys. Yeah. Hey, Dave. Dave. Yeah. Hey, Dave. Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Before I go, this is Nick. Yeah. Hey, Nick. If you guys do uh, like a, a bona fide sequel to Mr. Hush, if mm-hmm. you do, mm-hmm. uh, call on me to 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 to, uh, to, to uh, do a cameo. Call oh, on me absolutely. to do a cameo. I want to do a cameo. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit part. Just a little bit speaking role. I could say, hello. Or something, but I would love to. I would fly there. I would fly there at my expense to go say hello as like a bar drunk or something. I'll yes. make it a point to remember me, Dave. <laughs> Awesomeness. All yes, right, everybody. <laughs> Be well, everybody. Good night. And I'll talk to you. Good night. Take care. And, and I would say, oh, there's too much pus in the popcorn. So I wanted to ask one thing, Dave, before you go. You got to plug how people can now watch Mr. Hush and Mr. Hush Legacy online, where they can go. The easiest place to—it's uh, exclusively streaming after ten years of being on Netflix and Hulu and Voodoo. I finally got the rights back, so I packaged it together with Mr. Hush Legacy, and it's streaming exclusively on the Vimeo now. Awesomeness. Yeah, everybody, so everybody, price, pay attention. It's great stuff. So for one low price, you can watch both Mr. Hush and Mr. Hush Legacy. I will post the links on my Facebook page. Thank you, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night, Good night David. David. We love you. Good night. Love you guys, too. Bye. Oh, he loves us. Aww. Hey, Edward. Edward. 
Yes. Yeah, Edward, be, be, before you go on, I got to make a couple of announcements um, to uh, to all the fans of Black Bedsheet and everything. We just came out with a book uh, called Incubus Succubus by L.A. Nance, a great vampire novel. Um, and it's it's uh, uh, it's along the lines of interview with a vampire, although grittier, if you can imagine it. Also, Tom Sawyer is coming out with his new book in Rod We Trust, which is a tribute to Rod Serling Twilight Zone. And uh, we've got Rochelle Dillon, who did a great short story for me um, um, uh, called Bonsai, which um, uh, is like a uh, penis monster, um, kind of like a wrapped in a Godzilla kind of metaphor, if you can wrap your head around that. Uh, and she's coming out with a new book, and then uh, um, uh, Sue Dent. Um, her her stuff we, and and you guys were just talking about Sudan too. Um, she's uh, she publishes herself, but I also publish the same books, Thirsting for Blood series, and we're going to talk about that next week. And uh, we've got a lot of other books that are coming out. Jason Gaylert is coming out. He's he's uh, uh, he's done like six books with me. Sac- is phenomenal. It's coming out next month and everything. And uh, all that, with all that said and everything, I always, uh, um, before, before uh, Ed, before you and Francie get in on it and everything and, and the co-hosts, um, uh, I always wanted to ask you this. What does the X stand for? Uh, there's a story behind the X. It's a big story behind the X. Or rather, okay. Well, the X, the X stands for Xavier. And, uh, ah. But there's a sto- I'm glad you asked. I've, uh, there's a, there was a story behind it. And the story won me, the story itself, when I relate it once, won me the warm friendship of the late John Zacherly. And we were friends for about 20 years. And I talked to him so many times at so many conventions. And, and even sometimes just personally, but uh, anyhow, my middle name, the X stands for Xavier. But when I was born, my parents were too cheap to give me a middle name. I'm just Edward Young Jr. officially, and uh, I felt kind wow. of at a loss. I felt kind of at a loss that I had no middle name because they gave my sisters middle names. They were they were that they were that stingy. And I'm the oldest child. I mean, so you gave yourself the X. Well, I didn't really give it to myself, but we're going there. I'm I'm Catholic. Yeah. I'm Catholic. And, of course, you know, the Jewish people, when, you know, when when young men are reaching the age of 13, they have their bar mitzvah. If you're Catholic, you get confirmed when you're 13. It's, it's a mm-hmm. similar ritual. But one of the marks of confirmation is that, uh, you know, a lot of Catholics you'll see have four names because you, you will choose – uh, a confirmation name, an, an extra middle name, or in my case, my only middle name. And, and when I was going to Sunday school at the time, you know, 12 years old, approaching my 13th birthday, they uh, they were saying that, you know, we should prepare ourselves and, and choose an appropriate confirmation name. My father, had, when he got confirmed when he was a kid, he chose like the name of his, his uncle, Anthony. But, I mean, uh, I was going to choose my own. I wasn't going to let anybody ram a name down my throat, but I was having a tough time. One of the things was one of the kids in my class 
way back when, when I was 12 years old, jokingly said that, in the Sunday school class, jokingly said that he, he wanted to choose the name Tarzan. And the nun whacked him, said, you have to choose the name of a saint. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so well, I went home. I'm a yeah. 12-year-old kid trying to figure what what name should I choose, and and so I was I happened to be watching Chiller Theater hosted by John Zacherly on TV, and the Ooh. movie that he was showing, the movie he was showing that night that Saturday night was the 1932 first first color one of the very first color movies, a two-tone Technicolor, certainly the first color horror film, which was Dr. X, starring Lionel Atwill and uh, and Faye Ray. And in the movie, the mad Dr. X, the titular Dr. X, his name is Dr. Xavier. And and they they refer to him often in the movie as Dr. Xavier. And I was watching the movie and thought that was a pretty cool name. And my aunt, God rest her soul, my aunt Frances was uh, watching with me, and she said, "Well, you know, that's that's the name of a saint." And I said, "It is, yes, there's ah. a saint, saint Xavier." There's also, and and I said, "Well, uh, well, then that's my confirmation name." <laughs> so, so <laughs> the only other person. Now, Xavier usually goes along with the name Francis. It was. St. Francis Xavier, but there was no objection by the nuns when I was going to Catholic school. There was no objection to choosing the name Xavier, and little did they know, I was choosing a name from a monster movie that I'd seen on, on Chiller Theater with John Zachary on a Saturday night. And so it, it was kind of like my middle name shaped my destiny, because I was only 12 at the time. I was watching a lot of horror movies and reading horror comics. Warren magazines, which I collected, you know, creepy, eerie, vampirella, but uh, but I, uh, like I said, it's it's it may, the name itself may have provided an ultimate destiny to my life because I ended up making horror pictures. But that's I think the, it that's did. Where... I, you know, I think it did. Even if you didn't do horror pictures, even if you did romantic comedies or whatever, as an actor or a celebrity. Um, Ed, uh, Edward X. Young versus Ed, Ed Young. Uh, they're two different yeah, things. Yeah. Edward X. Young is more memorable. So, yeah, you know what? The only other person in this world that I wanted to ask that same question to, I never got to talk to him, but I, I kind of I grew up in church and everything. And uh, there's a rock band um, back in the 80s. I, I'm sure they're still around called Petra. And in the 80s, their their lead singer was um, uh, Greg X. Volts. <laughs> I always wanted to ask him, how did you get that name with the X in there? It reminds me of that. <laughs> you had the chance to it was Xavier, because there are a few other X names. I knew a Greek guy named Zeno, and there are a few others that seem to escape me. But, I mean, Xavier is certainly the most common that's a good question. Cause usually, it's it's Francis Xavier that go hand in hand. And like, look, my name, what it originally was, Edward Young. That's like, it's like John Smith. And, and there mm-hmm. are other, there are other Edward Youngs out there. 
there's a there's there's an astrologer, a rather well-known astrologer out in the West Coast named Edward Young. And ironically, I mean, fortunately, I was using the X because I used to get because I also I've had many jobs in my life. I'm like Kevin Costner's character from The Big Chill. Although you never realize it's Kevin Costner, and they cut the flashbacks out. But I've had many occupations. But about 20 years ago, I was working for a newspaper as an astrologer. I uh, up in New Hampshire. I, I applied to be a film critic, and they said we don't need a film critic. But if you do have to write astrology columns, we can use that. We we need an astrologer. I said, yeah, I could do that. But but I, but to to my shit, I was a pretty good astrologer, and it was just I just made shit up. I used to get fan mail when people actually mailed letters. They used to get fan mail from people who thought they were mailing this bona fide astrologer out in Los Angeles named Edward Young, who wrote for newspapers too. And and I'd have to tell them, look, I'm, I'm Edward X Young. He's just Edward Young. There's also uh, a, ch- a writer, a different person, a, a writer of children's books, who I think is actually Chinese, you know, because a lot of Chinese people will use the name Young. They've got a similar name in their language, and they usually anglicize it. But uh, and there is some uh, cartoonist in Virginia named Edward Young, a political cartoonist. So, uh, and I've done cartoons too. I, I used to do political cartoons for a while uh, uh, back in my twenties professionally. But so the X has given me distinction and separation from a handful of other well-known Edward Youngs. And of course, there was the look it up. There, there was the. Uh, Romantic poet, late 18th century romantic poet, Edward Young. He's the most famous straight-up Edward Youngs. He was from England. And uh, he even has a famous quote. His his most famous quote from one of his poems is, uh, Procrastination is the thief of time, which certainly applies to my life. <laughs> but so, yeah. Hey, Edward. Hey, wait, Edward. Do have a fan of yours? It is my niece Michaela, who has talked to you on several occasions, and she's actually a fan of yours in real life. You on the phone? Kayla, are you there? Where's Kayla? Hi. There you she is. Yep. We hear you. Sorry if I've been talking too much. If I knew I had a fan out there, I would have let her speak. He's talked to you on several occasions, and when I I told her that you were the guest on the show, she's like, oh, i got to call in. Well, look, I'll be telling you, Michaela, we're all nervous about mailing stuff right now. In fact, I was going to ask if some of those bedsheet books were available online. I prefer a real book, but... When this plague is all over, because you are a fan, a big fan, I will mail I will mail Francie a, a signed eight by ten. I'm not going to mail anything till the plague is over, because uh, you know yeah, who knows that's probably the <laughs> Which, by the way, she likes. Or, or you can mail it. You can mail it soon. Just wipe it down. Just wipe it down, and then put like a, a, a wrap it in plastic and put a little note saying that it's uh, certified clean. Well, let's 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 face facts. I, I took works. a lot of biology. I, I took science courses, biology courses, in, in my 
my time in high school and in college because it interested me. The thing is, let's face facts. This virus will become suppressed when the hot weather comes because they all do. I mean, like any, any cold or flu bug, when the hot weather of summer comes, uh, a lot of viruses die off and the others go dormant and they swell up. But what happens is those few dormant ones that remain that don't die, when the freezing weather comes back again and there's a freeze followed by a thaw, like that's why it's, it's, that's why people catch colds in the winter time when the weather's crazy, it gets warm, it gets cold, it gets warm, and it gets cold, because then viruses just explode exponentially, they multiply. But come summertime, I'm sure all of us will be leading semi-normal lives, but it doesn't guarantee that it won't be around and explode back on us again come November when the cold weather gets here. But I think we'll all be Once you much more Once you Carolinas, you get four seasons within a week. It's like, okay, so. Well, I mean, you know, that's am that's I right, almost, uh, so. When summer comes, I'll mail, remind me, I'll nope. mail an 8 by 10 the signed 8 by 10 to Michaela. Right now, I don't even want to go into a post office. I don't go anywhere unless I have to, to buy food or ammunition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hey, Kayla, do you, do you have any... Handle all the essentials. Oh. <laughs> hey, Kayla, do you have any uh, direct questions for Edward? Okay, so I know that you've done, like, like, so many films, and, like, I'm a huge fan of horror movies. And I know most people that direct horror movies and do horror movies and are just, like, in that field are also fans of horror movies because, like, you do what you love, right? What is, like, your gold A, like, best horror movie that you think you've ever seen? My my best? I mean, uh, uh, Nick, repeat the question because I'm getting a little distortion on my end. What was the specific question? I'll answer it. Was it the best movie that you've ever seen or the best movie that you ever did, Kayla? Like, what's, like, your favorite horror movie of all time? Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. The movie that changed my life when I was eight years old and hit the theaters, and it was the the movie that actually made me first think, when I grow up, I want to do this. I want to make horror movies. It was I saw George A. Romero's original black and white Night of the Living Dead that came out in 1968. Oh. I was eight years old. Oh. And, and that, man, this was a different age. Uh, even Nick Me and, and my Francis, niece like, both said, oh. But I love Nick that Francis, movie. <laughs> See, that's what we were talking about. But, you, but you don't, you'd appreciate this, man. Nick and Francie might even be a little too young to understand what I'm talking about, but when I was a kid, like back in the 1960s, horror movies were still pretty much regarded as kids' fare. They weren't really taken mm-hmm. terribly. There were some scary movies out there, but it was really horror movies were the kind of movies that the theaters would have on a Saturday afternoon, a double feature. And, you know, there'd be like yeah. a spook show, and people would come out in costumes and scare you. So Night of the Living Dead comes out, black and white, 1968. And a lot of parents are 
dropping their kids off. At, I was in Dallas, Texas at the time, and a lot of kids are dropping their parents are just dropping their little kids off at the movie theater to see this movie. And Night of the Living Dead came out before the rating system existed. There were no film ratings. So nothing said this is for mature audience. Oh, all you movies, miss that. All movies, all movies were general viewing. They didn't think that. So, so nobody could, even the theater owners, they would get a film projected. They wouldn't even preview it. They were just letting kids into the theater. And so I'm sitting in this theater, I'm eight, the, the kids are around, and this movie unfolds, showing scenes never before seen in, in any kind of American motion picture. Cannibalism, you know, like like the dead coming back, brief, brief nudity, uh, people eating human flesh, uh, like like uh, bloody gunshot wounds and, and head headshots, and, and I'm in the theater, and, and like all of these kids start crying and, and crying for their mommies, and they're they're <laughs> fleeing the theater, and they're traumatized, and they're all upset. Not all of them, but most, a lot of them. And I'm sitting in this theater, and I'm kind of giggling and thinking, this is so cool. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to make movies just like this. <laughs> and what you wanted to shout out in the theaters, he didn't get out of the cock duty car. No. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, what Am I like I about right? movie was like, yeah, what I like about, like, and then not long, long. Yes, what's that? And then, you know, and then now talking. I'll take a look at how uh, you know how how here here we are years later, and just all you have to do is just say you know just that one simple line of "They're coming to get you, Barbara." Barbara. <laughs> everybody knows what movie you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like very, even my knees going like. I'm very proud of Even my niece is like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, well, I'm very yeah, proud because of like before. Yeah, but because come on, you were this little girl that was scared oh. watching Halloween too, and I came out, and then you were like, oh, on the couch, and I was like, are you afraid of Michael Myers? And you said yes. It was three o'clock in the morning. Why the hell were you awake at three o'clock in the morning when you're two years old? Uh, I, uh, I I do remember, though, on a similar, uh, similarly related to the same question, because people also ask, I do remember the first movie that really scared me. I mean, really messed me up and traumatized me. And uh, another thing that Kayla might not appreciate was once upon a time, there were drive-in movie theaters all over America. And a lot of people never went. It was much cheaper and much more convenient to, like, pack a bunch of people into your car and like, it'll get your own snacks and goodies, and go to the local drive-in, which was like a, a buck a car load, <laughs> you know, for like a dollar. Not to mention the people the you had in the trunk. And you had no, people uh, in the trunk too. <laughs> I, I, I hear say, I hear say, hey guys, with the coronavirus and everything going on, I hear say that drive-in movies are um, um, 
uh, really uh, versus theaters, they're, they're, people are actually going to them more now. I, I, would, I would love that if they were. I would love that if they were to drive in theaters. So they have to bring it back in the same way. What I miss is there was a drive-in culture where there were certain movies that were made for indoor theaters and television, and there were certain really cheap, rough pictures that were made exclusively only for the drive-ins. Usually, other movies, like movies, you know, violent crime thrillers, and even like softcore porno, softcore porno movies, because you couldn't have the hardcore stuff in a drive-in theater. But there were there were drive-in want- movies. Which I- I'd, I'd love to see them coming. The kind hey, drive-in drive-in boobies. Well, the kind drive-in of movies boobies. that I make for... Oh, the kind of movies that I make uh, there's now, a, Oh, hold, hold yeah. on a second. There's, like, some feedback that's going on. Uh, uh, it sounds like Night of the Living Dead feedback, but uh, <laughs> there's, there's like, some background noise that's going on and stuff. Uh, whoever can, like, you know... Uh, we can, could be my end. I'm... I'm actually sitting in a stopped car. I, I went outside of my house not to bother my elderly father because I talk loud. I'm sitting in a car. Oh, <laughs> it's, okay. It's so, not oh. <laughs> it couldn't be me. I'm in a car that's not running. It's sealed. I don't see any zombies yet. But when I do, I'm armed. I'll shoot them. <laughs> oh yeah, please do. Yeah, in this day and age, you've got to. Hey, say, uh, we got a couple of co-hosts, uh, of course, uh, Tom Sawyer and William Brower. Uh, William, do you have uh, any direct questions for Edward? Yeah, um, you know, basically, right right off the bat, I know we're talking about Mr. Hush and everything else. Uh, what? Uh, what what prompted you to actually uh, you know step into that role? I mean, um, you know, was it one of those uh, things where it was just kind of like a spur of the moment? Uh, you know, well, uh, actually, cost- there is a colorful story behind that too. I mean, Mr. Hush, as a lot of people know, is my. Uh, of all, I mean, I've done I've done indie movies, and I do have all the I do have all the waivers, and even a Taft Hartley from one movie I did, which was Union Non Union. I. I could join the Screen Actors Guild tomorrow if I paid them $3,000. I'm in. I've, I've got all the waivers. But then I'd be precluded or largely precluded from doing indie work. And I don't feel like moving to L.A. and working in Hollywood. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun. It's late. If I was younger, maybe I would go west. But I'm having a lot of fun and a lot of creative freedom in the indie market. But uh, Mr. Hush, how I got into that. Uh, I uh, I I studied acting in my youth. I was very good at it in college, and even took some courses at the HB Studios in New York when I graduated. But I I made the fatal mistake of my first marriage, getting married too young to the wrong person, a woman who was probably legitimately a real succubus. And I had a long, miserable marriage. It ended in a divorce, and now I'm in my mid forties, and she pretty much took me for everything. And so in my mid-40s, realizing, like, I've worked so hard in the business world and done all these varied jobs and saved up money, and what's it worth? I got I got divorced, and it all got taken away from me. And I started thinking a lot about my mortality then, and I started thinking about the, the proverbial bucket list. So in my mid-40s, mm-hmm. I decided i got to do this acting thing. i got to at least know. i got to at least could have made it. 
and uh, I, uh, but I waffled. But I had a friend of mine who was a professional actor who had gone west, and through the miracle of the internet, long before Facebook or uh, or, or even my MySpace. He found me just because I was working for a newspaper, and he just happened to find an article that I wrote a movie review. So I started doing film criticism and contacted me, and, and he contacted me at the right time and was urging me to get back into filming, get back into acting, to try it again. And I told him, look, uh, he contacted me. He said, look, uh, they're doing a movie in New York, and uh, I put a word in for you. They'll, they'll let you come for an audition. And I said, look, uh, I, I tell you what, uh, I'll do it. Because I was living in New Hampshire. It was quite a drive. I said, I'll do it, but, you know, I don't want to be disappointed. I'll I'll do this one movie, this one movie, and, and I'll do this one audition, this one audition. I said, and if they reject me, never ask me to do this again, because you're pestering me, and you're telling me to go for this audition. And he said, it's a, it's a horror movie. And I, I'm sure there's lots of little parts in it. There's even a great part for, like, a, an axe murderer. It's one day's work. I mean, he he knew what the film was about because he worked for the system. And I said, look, I'll do this audition. And, and I went all the way to New York figuring I'd just be walking there and be rejected on the cattle call. Oh, thank you. We'll, don't call us. We'll call you. It turns out mm-hmm. they liked me so much. They gave me one of the lead roles in the picture. The movie was called Sea of Dust. And, and uh, Tom Savini was in it. And also Ingrid Pitt of the Hammer films from the Vampire Lovers, Countess Dracula. It was her last movie before she died. And we also had uh, Stuart uh, Rudin from Silence of the Lambs, who played multiple MIGs. And he had this little horror movie. I ended up getting one of the lead roles. And uh, the movie got some good reviews on the indie circuit, like in Fangoria magazine and such. And so I quit my... I got the notion, gee, this was easy. And, And they paid me very well. It was like a half-million-dollar movie. And I was like, shit, this is pretty damn easy, this acting thing. So so I I, I, did, I made the totally insane choice, and some days I even come to regret it, but I quit my very stable job at a ball-bearing factory in New Hampshire that was paying very well and had great benefits. But I up and moved to, to New York, and then realized the error of my ways. I had money saved. But I'm in my mid I'm in my mid to mid forties now. I have one screen credit and I'm going to auditions and getting rejected, 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 rejected. But I loved horror movies. I was in this one horror movie and so it led me to the horror conventions like Chiller Theater or Monster Mania because they screened some of this movie there at some of these places and we, we were invited because of the, the film producer wanted me to join him. He was promoting the movie at these conventions leading me to a monster mania convention in the year 2007 uh two years after two years after i had done my one and only movie mr hush and here i was running around as a wannabe actor now in past my mid-40s into into the later 40s i was about 47 i had a really beautiful headshot that i paid a lot of money for but on my resume in the back couldn't lie i had one one credit, sea of dust. <laughs> so but hey, I go to the still awesome. <laughs> but I go to the Monster Mania convention in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and they had a special deal there. They had the entire cast, virtually the entire cast of uh, Fright Night, the great 1985 vampire film. Fright Night was in one room with a huge line waiting to get to meet the members of Fright Night. 
And I'm standing in line, and there's this really, and I'm tall. I'm I'm like six two, and I was wearing cowboy boots, which make me stand about six three, six four in these with the heels. And I'm standing next to a guy who's taller than me. This this tall, huge guy with like a shocking red hair, and and this guy, and I've got my headshots with me. I'm passing them out of the convention with my one credit. But this guy standing in front of me. When you're standing in line that long, you start waiting to like meet these celebrities. You start talking to the people you're waiting with. The guy was David Lee Madison, who was on the phone with us, the film producer. And I think he had, I, I, he asked me who I was. We were chatting about Fright Night. We're both big fans of the movie, and uh, uh, he, I mentioned that I was an actor, and he mentioned that he was a film producer. And I think he had one credit. <laughs> For a short movie he had done, one one credit as a filmmaker, a couple of shorts, no features, and I had my resume with one credit in the back, and uh, I gave him a headshot, and he gave me his card and said maybe we'll work together someday. This was in 2007, and it was uh, two and a half years later, almost three years later, I I got a phone call out of the blue. And it was from David Madison, who said he was finally making a feature movie. And uh, he was looking through, like, headshots and resumes and happened to chance upon this headshot and remembered our long conversation in line waiting to see the cast members of Fright Night. And he thought I was a nice, affable guy, and I was rather, you know, I looked rather good for the part. And, and he offered me a part in his first movie, a small supporting part, mainly because they had lost an actor. Somebody else was cast, and actors are loopy and crazy. A lot of them take too many drugs. But this actor flew to Cope, and and he, it was a part, and it was David's first feature film as a producer. It was called The Emerging Past, uh, directed by Thomas Churchill, who was on Francie's show. Thomas oh, Churchill that's where David. I've heard of that. Yeah, it's Thomas Churchill. Yeah, I've... I've heard of an emerging past. Wow. They they were childhood friends, friends from the time they were like eight years old, and they both wanted to become filmmakers and agreed when that day came that that they would each work on each other's first picture. Like one one would produce, one would direct. They they would reverse the roles. So the first movie, The Emerging Past, Dave was a producer on it. He was the producer mainly. Tommy wrote it and directed it, and Dave had a part in it. But there was a priest, a supporting part in this, and uh, the actor flew the coop, and and they already had the production rolling. It, what they 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 had, they had major actors. They were major actors from the like uh, Brooke McCarter from the the Lost Boys was in the movie in a major role, and Steve Dash, God rest his soul, both of them they're both gone. Steve Dash, the original Jason Voorhees from the Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. But with the with the burlap sack, knocked the hockey mask. He was in the movie, but this is this is, movie is rolling. It is a low budget film, but now they've lost uh, an actor. And and Dave called me up, remembered me, and he said, you know, the, the thing is, we could give you this great part as a priest. I, I you're about the same height. What did you say? You were like six two. It's on your resume. I said, yeah. And he wanted to know how much I weighed. And he said, we've got this priest outfit. I I think it'll fit you. The other guy was about your size. The actor. He goes, but but can you learn approximately eight pages of dialogue like by within two days? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> oh, 
sent me the script and he emailed it to me, and, and I, I took to learning those lines. Anyhow, I showed up on the set of The Emerging Past, and I did my part, and then I heard they had another emergency in the set. This was like a godsend, another emergency in the set. Their makeup effects artist got flaky, whatever, went nuts, flew the coop. And this was a gory, very violent, gory horror picture. Now they got no makeup effects artist, and I'm listening. It's like, what are we going to do? Who are we going to call? We can't afford Tom Savini. And I was like, uh, if I may interject. And they were like, well, what is that, Ed? And I said, uh, I, I can do that stuff. Uh, it was like a hobby of mine when I was a kid. I know how to make fake blood. I know how to do wounds. I, I can do all kinds of effects. <laughs> And they like, really? And I said, well, well, tell me what kind of kills you want. And they went through a list of killings. There was one. They, they wanted a decapitation. I said, no, that's, that's, that's a bit beyond me. That's too expensive. It would be very complicated. It would cost you a fortune. I need a team to do that. They said, okay, well, we'll drop the decapitation. But, uh, but all the other gory, the disembowelment and the stabbings and the shootings I did. And so not only was I an actor in the emerging past, I was the chief special effects artist, and that really, and that was a successful movie that won a lot of awards, and it really solidified my reputation in this business. A lot of people saw it, and they liked it, but, and you can see it, if you have Amazon Prime, it's for free on Amazon Prime, free, capital F-R-E-E, look up the emerging past, but go to the director's cut, this is the original version and then they re-edited it a few years later. The director's cut's much better, much better. Go to the director's cut. of the, You can watch the movie. But, so I did well for Dave uh, with, with very short notice. And that was in that was in November of 2009 when we shot that. So, uh, but uh, uh, the next, the next uh, a few months later, the next year, in early 2010, uh, Dave Madison contacted me. He said, look, you were great in Tommy's movie. I'm like, oh, thank you, Dave. And he goes, so uh, I I want you to star in my movie, the lead role. Uh, and, I, and I said, well, what is it? And he goes, well, I'm working on this vampire picture. And he was kind enough to ask what kind of role I would like to play. And I said, you know, my childhood hero is Vincent Price. Give me a Vincent Price kind of role. He's like, okay, I can do that. And then he created Mr. Hush. <laughs> so, nice. I, I, you I, know, I, I, it's, it's a really, Edward, it's really ironic uh, because um, uh, Mr. Hush is very Fright Night. Like uh, you were yeah. talking about how it all started. It's very Fright Night. It even has um, Evil Ed, uh, um, oh, I forgot his name now. It's Stephen Jeffries. Stephen Jeffries yeah. is in it. Yeah, it's I, very Fright Night. I could not believe it when Dave informed me, not only are you a vampire, but Stephen Jeffries is going to be your hunchback human assistant. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and he's a great guy. We, we, I have fun. I, I hope, you know, that 10 years ago, and it was it was my biggest hit. It made a lot of money for an indie movie. And and then, uh, you know, just different things went in different directions. I've done about, I've done close to, a hundred movies now since 2005 when I first did Sea of Dust. I, I close, I'm, I'm like, in, like in the 90s, 80s or 90s. A I, hundred. I, I, stopped, I stopped counting at 50. It became kind of absurd to count. 
because some of these movies get released and some don't. So what do you count? All of them? Some of them? Some of them, like, die mid-production. I've done about 100 pictures, and I think I think IMDb has about 70 of them listed, so I'm not far off. But, uh, okay. But, uh... But but uh, what was I gonna say? But, but I was gonna say all these years. Uh, last year, Dave and I did a short sequel to Mr. Hush, actually a prequel called Mr. Hush Legacy, which Dave is offering as a package deal now. You're able to get it, buy it solo. But it's it's a it's a short film. It's like a Twilight Zone episode. It's about little about 20 minutes or so long. If it had commercials, it would fit into a half hour time slot like a Twilight Zone episode, but it's a origin story of Mr. Hush, like where he came from, how he became a vampire. But uh, but we have talked for the past 10 years about someday maybe doing a real full-length sequel, which involves a lot of work, a lot of effort. And, uh, and you know, it's 10 years later. I, I got put on some weight. You know, I, I don't look... I, I'm a bit too... Uh, a bit too beefy for a vampire right now, but this current play. You could be an older I'm, version I'm, of Mr. Hush where you've kind of, you know, there, there you are, you're, you, you've kind of like uh, lagged a little bit. Every day it doesn't you know, rain out days. here in New Jersey during this plague since I've got nothing to do. I'm serious. Every day it doesn't rain. I get up in the morning, I get on my bicycle, and I was for a 25-mile bike ride. And I'm trying to stay as vegetarian as possible. I slip a little bit, but no more booze, no more candy, no more junk food. I've I've already lost uh, three pounds in the first week. I'm going to get, by the time this plague is over, this flu, I'm going to get vampire thin. I'm going to get like, uh, I'm going to try to get emaciated thin. I'll say, Dave, look at me now. I look like a vampire. Let's do it before I get. That would again. be actually that would be really <laughs> great. Hey, say we got um, uh, Tom Sawyer's our our other uh, co-host and stuff. I'm sure he wants to ask you a question. Tom, right. you still there? I've been, I've been rambling too much. I'm sorry, Tom. I'd hate to dis Tom. Yeah. That's okay. Are you still there, Tom? Oh, he's not there. Yeah. He's not there. No, I Oh, oh no, that that that's all right though. <laughs> um, hmm. You know, I, I never. Uh, that's a great story. Uh, uh, as often as we've had you on Francie's show and everything, I never really heard the history behind uh, your career. And and uh, and it, you know, um, funny thing though, and I wanted to mention this on the show too was um, I I'm uh, I've been. The last year or so, really collecting on eBay a lot of uh, old '70s and '80s movies, and uh, uh, I, and I look around for other stuff that I've never heard of before, which there's a lot of stuff, and I'm like, it's an education for me, and I love it. Uh, and and uh, the, a couple of weeks ago, I I came across a movie called Mold. and uh, I bought it. It was like three dollars on eBay, and when I bought it, when I got it. In the mail, I looked at it, and there was your name on the top. It's like, and I and I showed Francie, this this is Edward X Young stars in this movie. Isn't that cool? I'm very proud of Mold. I'm very very proud of that movie. That's pro- probably my my second biggest hit. Believe it or not, it got some distribution in the U.S. 
Uh, and of course, it's an indie movie. I got no residuals. But I think Mold was actually shown on TV in Italy and Germany, dubbed. Oh wow! Dubbed. <laughs> it's still that's good. I, uh, I heard the version <laughs> out there where I'm speaking it's fluent Italian. I never knew I could. <laughs> but but Mold, Mold was uh, Mold was probably the second. I mean, you can see from the production values, it's probably the second most expensive movie I was ever in. Uh, I know oh, that. Uh, Steve, Steve Dust was about half a million, and, and for real. And uh, but but Mold Mold was about a fifty sixty thousand dollar indie movie, which is a lot of money for an indie movie. We had some top special effects in that. It was an excellent. Actually, it's a perfect story for our time, because it's about a contagion. It's been a terrible plague, and if you know, that emitted by a spore. And uh, and if you make physical contact with a person you, who who is infected, who might not know they're infected, because uh, it, it's a spore which infects your system, an outer well, uh, a spore created in a genetic research lab, just not to spoil the movie, but the spore, if you're infected with this, within a short amount of time, will turn you into a berserker. If you know what I'm, I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, exactly. Like the crazies or something, you know. A mad, insane killing machine, but within about 24 hours, you will literally melt. You will, you will die. You, you, you'll, you'll be alive once you're infected. You'll have about 24 hours to live, and, and while your body is falling apart, you're, you're an insane, rabid killing machine, and, and you can catch it by physical contact with somebody who has the mold in their system, so nobody wants to touch anybody. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm thinking how it's almost pro, you know, we we shot we shot mold. No, he was made wrong. We shot we shot it uh, from uh, December of 2008 into February of 2009. I think it got finally released in 2011. Is when when it got released on DVD. Maybe yeah, I think yeah, but. Uh, I love that movie. I'm very proud of the role as the Army Colonel. One of the few times I play a good guy, I play a hero. Usually I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Well, We're going to watch it this week. You put a different hat on. <laughs> I'll tell you, a movie I'm very, very... I don't want to neglect this. Uh, there's uh, a movie... Uh, well, there's two movies I'm proud of that I've made just in recent years. Most recently, it was winning a bunch of awards at a bunch of festivals, but... Uh, Along with Pete Jack alone, who may be listening to our program, he said he would listen to it. Uh, just last year, it was the, the, the a movie that I co-produced, co-wrote, and starred in. It's called The Killer Clown Meets the Candy Man, and uh, we've won a shitload of awards, but also John at the Gacy. same time, you know, it's it's so it's so dark, it's so dark and disturbing that it's it's been uh, it's been Seriously, we have been banned from nine out of ten festivals that we've submitted to. And is it true that John happy. Link? Uh, is it true that John Link is in that also? Yeah, we 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 used uh, it was it was a concept that I had that Pete ran with. Uh, Pete Jekyll liked my concept. We were trying to think of a new kind of a movie to make. I said, think Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, uh, and he was like, yeah. And I said, but. Instead, it's postmodern. What we're going to use is the real monsters. We will take two of the most disgusting serial killers of all time and 
presume, what if they met? <laughs> and, and the killers we chose were John Wayne Gacy, played by Jeremy Woodworth, the killer clown. And I played the true life killer operating about at the same time, a little bit earlier, uh, in the in the uh, 60s into the 70s, Dean Coral, the Texas Candyman, two of the most disgusting humans that ever walked the face of the earth, rapist, you know serial killer, is, you you're mentioning uh, John Gacy. I know who John Gacy is. I studied him. He was he was truly he was, crazy. Yeah. Um, but, but my college professor was, in Speaking and human saying hello. <laughs> he grew up in the streets of Chicago, and he dated the daughter of John Gacy. Yeah, Gacy had three kids, and, but his wife uh, divorced him, not knowing yeah, he was a killer. And he wanted, to, and he told us the story. He's like, "Hey, I wanted to meet." her father, and she's like, no, you can't meet my father. <laughs> and then he, he even, said... Even they never visited him. Well, I mean... He was a yeah. horrible person. We structured him like Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, but it was like Gacy was in the role of the Wolfman, and Dean Coral, my guy, the Texas Candyman, would have been Frankenstein. And we even recreate their fight scene with the same choreography. But as we were shooting the movie, I said, hey, why are we going for Frankenstein meets the Wolfman only? He said, what do you mean? I said, why don't we just go for House of Frankenstein and throw Dracula in, too? And these scenes were actually written while we were in production. He goes, what do you mean? I said, let's bring John Lincoln as Charles Manson. But this movie movie if you want to see it and, and it's rough I, I it's we, we had a few theatrical screenings in New York and, and every time we had a screening about half the audience walked out and not because they were bored because they were horrified and, and even one of my very close personal friends uh, came to see the movie he supports all my work and I saw him and his wife walking out and when I saw him in the lobby afterwards he didn't leave he just was hanging out in the lobby so I'm sorry it was too much it was just too much. It was too real. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, I actually succeeded with Pete Jackalone's The Killer Clown Meets the Candyman in making a truly... Well, we, we were wondering if we could. Can we truly make a movie in this jaded age that is absolutely disturbing and, and, and like, where it shakes people up big time? And we did it. And, and, and the movie is a bit of a satire comedy, but it is so bleak and dark... And it's, it is quite funny. You'll find yourself laughing. Like one of my friends saw it, and he said, you know, I was laughing out loud, and then I felt that I wanted to go home and take a shower. Uh, but uh, but uh, it is also available, as Dave was saying, that Mr. Hush, Mr. Hush, The Killer Clown Meets the Candyman is available on Vimeo. And if you just put that, that title, which can't be mistaken, The Killer Clown Meets the Candyman, there is a link where you can see it for 10 bucks. And believe me, it's well worth if you're into horror, indie horror. This is, I've already won a Best Actor Award at one festival for it. And, and Jeremy Woodworth, who plays Gacy, won a Best Actor Award for, at another. So this, this movie has been racking them up. So that's, I'm very proud of that film. 
I hope people will pay the 10 bucks to see The Killer Clown Meets the Candyman. You can't go to movie theaters now anyhow, so you'll be buying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recently saw, uh, <laughs> and, and my other movie that I want to promote, I'm not, I think it's on Vimeo. It might be on Amazon. Whatever, if you look it up, there is a link. You can get the DVD or watch it streaming. It's uh, it's it's Bigfoot Blood Trap by John Arricchio, and Wild Eye Releasing has it. I know they have it online, or you get the DVD, but you can get it online. But but Bigfoot Blood Trap is also extremely controversial. It's the when John Arricchio and I were working on this about a year about two years ago. Uh, well, actually, we spent four years making this movie. It was plagued with disasters. Almost everybody ended it. We, we was four years in the making. We started shooting in 2013. We didn't finish until 2017. But we set out to make, well, I was talking about drive-in movies before. We set out to make the ultimate grindhouse drive-in sleaze movie. So we made the dirtiest, raunchiest, filthiest Bigfoot movie ever made. It's filled with Bigfoot rape. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Bigfoot well, rape. Well, Ed, Ed, I'll tell you this. Um, if I'm going to interject for one real quick, I'll just tell you this much. Um, I, I saw it after it came out, and you nailed it. I mean, you, in terms of the raunchiness, everything else, you know, from, from a horror fan down in Florida, I was like, oh, sweetness, this is awesome. <laughs> so We had the wow. time talking to the distributor. Because we had distributors which said, uh, well, you know, when we started making it, Wild Eye Distribution told us in 2013, give us something dirty, raunchy, something that pushes blow up a lot of TNA, a lot of gore. But but because we spent four years making this, by the time we finished it, the Me Too movement was in full swing. And we had distributors telling us, uh, even Wild Eye, well, you know, We'll distribute this, but can you cut the nudity out because it's not hip anymore? Or like, we cut the nudity out of this movie, <laughs> it's going to be twenty minutes long. <laughs> 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 yeah. so we can only do so much. Which what 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 uh, what what you want us to cut? The finger or the arm? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the nudity and the excessive violence. I said, then what are you going to have? Five minutes of film. This is a this is a filthy, raunchy gore fest. And finally, we struck a deal with Wild Eye because they said, look, we we can't put this in Kmart. It's like really like hard R. If this was in theaters, it'd be NC seventeen. Uh, and 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 they finally said, look, we we've developed the, the Wild Eye. Rob, who runs Wild Eye Distributing, said, we have a new department now called Wild Eye Raw that specializes in these extreme rough movies. And we could probably make more money if you cut some of this stuff out or put blur on it. We could put it in Walmart. We're like, no, we don't want to cut this movie. It's a, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> and so it's part of Wild Eye Raw. I'm glad you saw it. You saw it in Florida on DVD or at a festival? Uh, actually, on uh, DVD, uh- a buddy of mine uh, had uh, ordered it. He was like, you know, we're going to do a movie night. I found something really sick, warped, and twisted. It's got your name written all over this. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, we made, wow. a, uh, yeah, made it a movie night. Chicken wings, beer, and uh, horror. <laughs> I'm so proud of this. 
And you know, I was uh, I was watching Citizen Kane on Turner Movie Classics earlier tonight, and there's a scene where Citizen Kane tries to become governor, runs for governor, and he's leading mm-hmm. leading in the poll. But then they, he's scandalized uh, because he's having this affair behind his wife's back, and it ruins his political career. Bigfoot blood trap ruined my political career because I'm, I'm heavily oh. involved in the Republican Party. I'm still an elected official. I'm a committee member, but they tried to run me for a higher office. And even I warned the Republicans. They said, you're smart. You were, I, I mean, I didn't have a chance to even talk about it. Maybe I'll do it in another episode. But I, but I was part of the Donald Trump campaign in New York. Did a lot of work for the Donald Trump campaign. But being behind the scenes is one thing. But, I mean, they, they, they wanted me to run for a higher office. And I even was nervous. I said, look, uh... I told you I'm an actor. And they're like, yeah. And I said, I act in horror movies. And the Republicans were like, yes, so what? I said, no, you don't understand. I work in some movies that are that are pretty rough. And maybe you don't want me running for higher office. You'd rather I was a campaign kind of guy. They said, oh, come on, what's the big deal? Uh, we think you'd be great. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, as long as you think so. And I ran for office. I was doing some pretty good in the polls. I was in the newspapers being interviewed. I could handle interviews well, as you can tell. But somebody in the Democratic Party, and actually I think it was an actor friend of mine, a guy who was actually sort of working as a de facto agent for me, who was a Hillary lover, uh, he was involved with the Democrats. I think he caught wind of the fact that I was running for office in New Jersey. And somehow... The Democrats got their hands on a copy of Bigfoot Blood Trap. Uh oh. And I was I was front page on all the newspapers in the state of New Jersey that Republicans because there's a lot of nudity in the movie, that Republicans are attempting to run a porno actor, you know, for office. And uh and they were referring to it as a pornographic horror movie. The thing is, uh I ended up losing the election. And the Republicans told me, look, you're part of our group, and we like what you do for other people's campaigns, but we don't want you to ever run for office again. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We can't erase this. If you ever ran for office again and you were the guy running, they would would bring this up again. So Bigfoot Blood Trap, I'm proud of the movie, but it destroyed my political career as a candidate. I can't, I can't. I'm still politically involved, but I, I can never run for office again. Oh wow! But but, but think of it like this: when I die, Bigfoot blood trap will remain. <laughs> so. Yep. <laughs> hey, uh, say guys. Uh, it's getting to be about nine thirty, and uh, I think we got to call it. I'm not sure where Francie went. She probably went potty or something. I'm not sure exactly. Where. But I'm noticing the time. If you want to do a part two in the near future, I'll come back and talk less, let other people ask questions more. But but I'm thrilled that you saw Bigfoot Blood Trap. I'm really, and I'm thrilled that you saw Mold. I, I mean, you got a Mold, but those are two of my best movies. <laughs> Yeah, I'm no, certainly going to no. check it out too. If, if 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 William, you got it on DVD, just like I got no, mold uh, off of eBay, I'm going to check it out on eBay. Yeah, yeah, you, you should I want to see that. Well movie. worth it. It's dirty, filthy, 
gory, and it's a horror comedy. It's, and, and not only that, you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to spoil it. It's a Christmas movie. <laughs> yep. Be ready for some thrills and chills. Yeah, no. <laughs> On top of all that. <laughs> you can qualify Die Hard as a Christmas movie. Bigfoot Blood Trap is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Takes place in Christmas time. <laughs> it, it's definitely, I rest assured, it's not Harry and the Hendersons. What Rob from Wild Eye told us when we had the original concept, he said, if you give me a Bigfoot movie, well, this is what he said. He actually suggested the idea. Uh, we wanted to do a movie, and I mean, I know we're going to cut off this pretty soon, but John Riccio had a number had a number of movies. He's been a producer for about twenty years, and he he's made some pretty good movies, but he's never made money in any of his pictures. He said they always he never even breaks even, and he approached the distributor and said, "Tell me what you want. What will make money? I will I will make on spec." whatever kind of movie you want. And what Rob told John Arecchio was in 2013, he said, listen, whatever you do, I'm quoting him, don't give me another fucking zombie movie. Every damn independent filmmaker wants to make a zombie movie. Another zombie movie. This is in 2013. He said, they're so easy. He's just like, you just like fuck up somebody's face with fake blood. They're a fucking zombie. He said, look, The Walking Dead owns zombies. He goes, he goes, if you tell me it's a zombie movie, I'm not even going to look at it. He goes, well, all right, all right, no, no zombie movies. But what do you want? He goes, you know, let me think for a second. He goes, you know, vampires, werewolves, space aliens. He goes, you know, there hasn't been a really good Bigfoot movie in a while. And we're like, Bigfoot, okay. He goes, yeah, but you make me a Bigfoot movie. I don't want this Harry and the Hendersons shit or some noble <laughs> creature forest. He goes, I want a motherfucking Bigfoot. He goes, I want a Bigfoot that's a son of a bitch. I want I want Bigfoot slaughter. I want Bigfoot rape. Or it's like, oh, okay, we're, we're kind of grooving on that track. <laughs> and so uh, John, John did, it is mostly his writing, but I had a heavy influence. But John and I, John Arricchio and I spent a lot of time at his, his place out in Pennsylvania, and we conceived this utterly depraved Bigfoot comedy. And it actually it actually started out as a serious movie. It's weird. There, there's a whole wow. chunk we dedicated to Bigfoot Blood Trap because it kind of mutated into a comedy. Uh, and that, that was too long a story to tell with our limited time. I also come back. Yeah, but, but, well, but yeah, we've got like that it's, a, that it's good. <laughs> you guys, we've got like a minute. Um, so we're looking at the time. So I think we got to call it. And Edward, call back uh, next Sunday if you want to uh, uh, talk to Sue. Sue Dent's going to be uh, Francine Friends' uh, next victim next I weekend. So I'll, I'd love to come back and talk more because I'm going stir crazy. I got no social life. I'm trapped. I'm literally just trapped in my house, going out as little as possible. I, I've lost a friend. I am scared. I'm really scared to be exposed to this. Yeah, I, I, I got to kind of protect my mom too. So I'm, I, well, I'm used to like uh, working at home and everything and stuff. Um, but uh, you know, I live with my 90 year old father. I take care of him now. I, I believe in my heart, and I'm 60. I believe 
I believe if I caught this thing, I'm in good enough health where I'd probably survive it. Maybe not. My friend was the same age as me, and he was in good health. Killed him. But I know that if I caught it and brought it home, I know it would kill my father. He wouldn't survive. I know that. So I'm living in fear. So I'm going crazy. I'm not doing a lot. And I'd be happy to call back often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's always just like Ryan says. Yeah. All righty, folks. Well, we got to call it. And uh, I think uh, Francie kind of, uh, she's, I'm not sure. But anyway, anyway, this is Nick for Francie and Friends. Thank you, Edward. Thank you, William. Thank you, callers and everybody. And we're going to sign off for right now. And I'm going to, never done this before, but I think I'm going to put on a song. Can I do that? Can I do it? A problem is the Tom Sawyer for me. I feel like this is what I'm talking about next time. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, good night, everybody. Oh, there's a song. All right. Nighty night, folks. Easy. Come on. Thank All right. Thank you. Put your hands together. That's it. When your baby leaves you all alone And nobody calls you on the cell phone Don't you feel like crying? Don't you feel like crying? Here I am, my honey
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.